Our topic this week out of the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, by God's spirit. Starting in verse 1, the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? And so here's Zechariah, he's written three chapters already, had three prophecies already, three visions already, and now here this fourth chapter, and this angel comes to him, the same one who's spoken to him before, comes and has to wake him up as a man is wakened out of sleep. It doesn't say he was sleeping, but wakes him in a way like he was asleep. So kind of shake him, get up, uh, wake him up, and uh, I'm a good sleeper. It's hard to wake me up. I can sleep through anything. I can sleep through any alarm clock. I don't care how loud. I don't care if it's playing music or an alarm or whatever. I can, I've slept through them all. I can sleep through, I've slept through um, a fire. There was a fire in a building I was in. There were people running all around the building, people running on the floor right above my head, running to get out, the sirens outside. I didn't hear anything. They left me inside. I slept through the whole thing. And uh, fortunately, it wasn't so bad a fire. And it got put out, and uh, I survived. But I slept through the whole thing. I didn't find out about it till the next morning. And so I can sleep through anything. So here, Zechariah is asleep. And this angel has to come and wake him and shake him and wake him up. And I think we are asleep. As a people, individually, as a congregation, as a body of believers in this country and in this world, we are asleep to what is happening before us. We're just watching it on, on TV and listening on the radio and on the internet, and it's like, oh, it's like a movie again. It's like, it's like you know, just watching drama taking place, unless it's come to your home and affected you. But this world is coming apart, and we need to be woken up. Where are the voices of God's people speaking up? Rebels are speaking up. Rebels are going in the streets. Rebels are yelling and screaming their, 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 their message. Where is God's message? Just this week I saw a video of this uh, person taunting, this lady taunting the police officers and just going at it. And a police officer came over to her and he said, none of this will be solved except by God. The only way to get rid of racism, and he gave her a whole gossip, gospel message, and he began preaching to her right there on the street. She didn't care, she didn't hear a word he had to say, she, her mouth kept going while he was talking, but he preached to her. And that's what it is, that's the truth. That is what's needed. That's the only thing that will solve Earth's problems. It's not the rioting and the demanding of our rights, and the, but the gospel of the Lord changes hearts and changes minds and brings permanent change. We need to be woken up. God's people need to be speaking up. We need to let God, let, let it be known. That doesn't mean we need to go and try and get some microphone of some a reporter to, to, to get our message out, but we need to be speaking up to those that God has placed us in contact with. Our family and our neighbors and those that are in school and in, at work and, and people we are acquainted with, through whether online or in any way, shape, or form, we need to get the message out there. And all we do is send out little cartoons and, and, and little jokes and little uh, things and of a worthless value too often. We need to be getting the gospel out there, the truth of God's word out there. Because people are literally dying without it. The world is coming apart at the seams. It's about to fall apart. If we don't see that, and we've seen nothing like this 
I mean, there are people here older than I am. In our lifetime, we have never seen anything like this before going on. It's literally biblical proportion. It's literally what the Bible had predicted would say. The hearts of many would grow cold. And that's what we're seeing, just cold-heartedness taking place. And we need to be woken up to the reality that's happening around us. And we need to get ready, and we need to have, get other people ready. And so he woke into him out of his sleep, and he said, what do you see? Well, what are you seeing? Are we seeing the Bible come alive? Are we seeing truth taking place? Are we seeing prophecy being fulfilled? Are our eyes opened? Do we need to open up our eyes and stop sleeping and open our mouths? And Zechariah said, I see there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it and a stand on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps and two olive trees are behind it, one on the right and one on the left. This is what he sees. It's two olive trees with two pipes going to this bowl and then from this bowl, seven pipes going to this lampstand that has seven lamps on it. Well, some imagery we're very familiar with. The menorah from the temple, seven-branched menorah on a lampstand, golden bowl, and olive trees. That we can understand and we can see. So he says, I see that. And I asked the angel, what are these, my Lord? And the angel said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. I don't know what these are. I can identify some of these things, but what is the meaning here? What are you trying to say? What are you wanting to convey to me through this imagery that you're seeing? And we need to ask the Lord and not just jump to conclusions. As he said, tell me. Show me. Instruct me. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. It's not just reading the word. We need to have God interpret it for us. God speak to our hearts and our souls through his word. And so he replied, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Zerubbabel, we've seen Zerubbabel here was the, the leader of the nation, the governor of the nation at this time. He'd just come in out of 70 years of being in Babylon. Cyrus, king of the Medo-Persians, delivered, overcame Babylon and delivered us and let us go back to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem and provided means. And only a few, relative few, in number, small percentage, went back. And Zerubbabel was in, in charge to go and fulfill the prophecy of Daniel and to rebuild the temple up and rebuild the city up and rebuild the nation up. But trouble came, only few came with only few resources and trouble from those who were living in the area did not want a new group coming, do not want the nation built up again and opposed it and stopped it for a time. And then God interposed again and allowed building to take place again. And no doubt Zerubbabel, with all the weight of that hanging upon him, he's looking at the situation, he's looking at the command to rebuild this city. It's nothing but rubble. To rebuild this nation. There's trees growing in the middle of the vineyards. There's stones everywhere. There's weeds everywhere. Houses broken down, walls broken down. 
There's so much to do. There's so much that needs to be done. And we have so few people. And we have so few resources. And we have so many troubles and so much opposition against us. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you have so many things you need to do, so many things that have to get done, and you look at the whole pile of everything that's on your plate. How am I going to get all this done? I don't have enough time in the day to get all this done. I'm up at night trying to accomplish some things and get caught up a little bit. So many things, and more keeps on getting added on. And there are pressures and influence and opposition all the time. All the time. It seems like it's so hard. Why is it so hard to get anything done? Trying, I can hear him saying, I'm trying, God. I'm trying. Trying to pull the people together. Trying to get this done. But it is so hard. Why at every step of the way there's difficulties? It's not one thing, it's another. Everything we attempt, there's always opposition. And that is how it is, because we're not in heaven. We're on Satan's territory, and he opposes the work of God continually. It's an upward battle, an upward problem. So he's trying, and you're trying, trying to get things done. You don't have enough resources to do it. You don't have enough time to do it. You don't have enough help to do it. You hear God calling you and moving you forward to accomplish the mission. You've witnessed, you've spoken, you've told people. And still seem not seem to be enough. Praying. Or what more can we do? And God's message to Zerubbabel is to us as well. Don't worry, Zerubbabel. It's not by your might. It's not by your power. It's not by your doing. It's not by your talent. It's not by your education. And not that all those things are not good. They are helpful and good. But that's not how the work's going to be accomplished. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Trust not in chariots, trust not in horses, trust not in men. The power of the Lord that brings it to pass. He uses men, he uses horses, he uses chariots, he uses workmen, he uses masons, he uses stones. He uses the finances. He uses us, but it's not us. It's not by our power. And if you've been trying to become good, if you've been trying to do righteousness, if you've been trying to be godly, and it's an upward battle, and it's hard, and it's hard, and it's hard, and you struggle, stop trying and give up and let God. Let God come in. Let his spirit work. Let him empower us. His ways are not burdensome. His yoke is easy. Not that there's not a yoke, but his yoke is easy because he's carrying it with us. He is strong. He is almighty. He is all-powerful. He is victorious. The work that he begun, he will bring to completion. Fear not, O Zerubbabel. It's going to get done. It's going to get done in spite of it all. It's going to, God's work is going to move forward. Trust in the power of the Lord, not in our own resources. Look what God did through Gideon. Gideon, you have too many men. Send them home. I can't defeat it with so many men. I need less men to win the battle. And even now, too many. Get rid of more, Gideon. Send more home. It's not in the many. It's in the power of the Lord. The sound of the shofar and a light in a hand, the torch in a hand, they defeated 
and routed the enemy. Not in our own power, not in our own strength, but in the mighty power of the Lord. God will accomplish his work. Few people, eight and his family, built an ark and saved the world. That humanity is still here today. It's not in the masses. It's not in the money. It's not in the power. It's not in the resources. It's not in our intelligence. It's not in our degrees. It's in the power of the Lord that any good takes place. Not by might, nor by power, but by God's Spirit. We need more of God's Spirit. We need to be dependent on God's Spirit. More and more, we need to realize our helplessness. We need to realize our need of Him and cry out to Him for His Holy Spirit to help us in our time of need, to give us victory over sin, to give us the ability to accomplish His work. We need His Spirit not of ourselves, but only and fully and completely by Him, by His Spirit, His Spirit working in us and through us. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11, it says, What man knows the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. We don't even know ourselves we don't even understand ourselves. We can know nothing without him. Only the Spirit of God knows. God knows all things. He sees all things. It is him and him alone that works and accomplishes his will. Oh, we think we're strong. We think we're smart. We think we're powerful. And that is when we can't accomplish anything. And even when we think we're weak, it's because we think we're too much about self. We think we are weak. And we're not weak. We are hopeless. <laughs> we are weak full. <laughs> we are full of weakness. We can do nothing. And when we get to that point, that only is when he can use us. When we think, well, I am too weak. There's others who can do it better. Then we're like the person with the one talent who complained that he only had one talent and didn't use the one talent he had. And Yeshua said, take the one talent from him and give it to the one who had ten and who used it. And then he went on to say, to him who has not, he will lose that which he has. And it will be given to him who uses what he has. It's an interesting saying. To him who has not, take away what he has. Well, how can you take away what he has if he has not? The point is, is nobody has not. Everybody has something. If you were alive this morning, if you're alive right now, then you have breath and you have something. You have life, you have thoughts, you have brains. We have something. But if we deny it and say we don't have anything, I can't do anything. I am weak, I can't do enough, I am not as good as others, not as rich as others. I've only got this one talent. Then he's going to take it away and give it to someone else. When we realize we have all power provided to us through the Lord, that we need him and we need him alone to move us forward, 
the Spirit of God will accomplish all things and do all things. Verse 7, Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. You shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Who are you, O great mountain? What mountain is in your life? What mountain problem is there stopping your way? What is keeping you from moving forward? What is keeping you from accomplishing God's will in your life? Yeshua said, have a faith of a mustard seed and the mountain will be removed and thrown into the sea. What is this mountain, a great mountain, O Zerubbabel? What is your big problem? Is it the enemies around you, that you don't have enough, that you don't have enough resources, you don't have enough people? What's the big problem? I've got all of heaven's resources available to you, Zerubbabel. Stop doubting, stop looking at what you don't have. Moses, what is that in your hand? Oh, I can't go to Pharaoh. Moses, what is that in your hand? It's just a stick. That's all I need. Throw the stick to the ground. And with that stick, he parted the Red Sea. What do you have in your hand? Don't worry about the mountain. That'll remove that mountain. And we see, I mean, that's done today. We see that happening. Big mountains. They bring in excavators and bulldozers and they take those mountains and they knock them down and they put up condominiums and houses. I've seen them knock down a whole nice mountain, cut down all the trees, knock down the mountain and make it a big plain and build there. Seen them take dirt and pile it up in the sea. We see it all around us here on the coast. They've taken dirt, they've, they've dug out dirt and dumped it out there and then they built canals and they built these homes out on these canals and people got boats out there and expensive homes right out there just waiting for a hurricane to come. They dumped it into the sea. Mountain came down and thrown into the sea. And I don't think that's the fulfillment of what Yeshua was talking about. But we do see that. They cut down mountains today in Yeshua's day. That was an impossibility. And now today, man does it all the time. Every day, knocking down mountains and filling in seas. Filling in swamps. But the mountains before us can be removed. Zerubbabel had, they were real problems. Those were real enemies. And yet they did it by God's power, by God's strength. The temple was rebuilt, the city was restored, the walls were built, the nation came to be again, and we're still here today, thousands of years later. It's an absolute miracle. It's continued to be miracle after miracle, mountain after mountain, opposition after opposition. It's continual oppositions, and there's going to be continual oppositions. So what's your mountain? What's your excuse for not doing what God has called you to do? What's your excuse? What are you fearful of? What's the big mountain in front of you? Oh God, I can't climb that mountain. Oh God, I can't get through. Oh God, I can't do it. That's keeping you from fulfilling God's will, from doing what he's called you to do. And gaining the victory over that sin. What's the excuse? Oh, this will happen. Oh, this will happen. Oh, this will happen. If I stop doing this, oh no, all the world will come to an end. My whole life will come to an end. God's word says it. Don't listen to the excuses. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. What's keeping you from gaining the victory? 
from stopping doing what you know you shouldn't be doing, from stopping thinking the thoughts that you've been thinking, to rebuke the devourer, to rebuke the enemy, to rebuke the lies. What's your mountain? What's the mountain that Satan has thrown in front of you? Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain. In the name of the Lord, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Rebuke you, mountain. Rebuke you, fear. Rebuke you, lies. Rebuke you, troubles. Rebuke you, worries. Rebuke you, cares. Enemy of the Lord, get behind me, Satan. Move power. Move forward in the power of the Lord. Claim God's grace. Grace, grace to it. The capstone, the temple will be rebuilt all the way up to the roof. And shouts will go forth. Grace, grace. Wait a second. This is all the way back in Zerubbabel time. We're talking about the Spirit of God and grace, grace. I thought there was no grace until Yeshua came. I thought there was no Spirit until Yeshua came. Well, here all the way back in Zerubbabel's time. Grace, grace was there. Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. God's grace has always been there. God's power has always been available to us. God's Spirit has always been available to us. The Spirit of God hovered over the waters in the creation. God's Spirit is there for us, ready to work in our behalf, ready to fight in our behalf, ready to strengthen and empower and to build up the work of the Lord. It's not in might, not in power. Don't look at the numbers. Don't look at our resources. That was David's problem. He started counting, do a census to see how many how much army is? How strong is our army? His commander said, don't, we don't need to do that. God is more than enough. David persevered and counted and a plague broke out. Don't worry about the resources. God has more than enough resources. Look at what God did through one boy with one lunch. Andrew's like, how are we going to feed all these people? Send them home. One little boy with one little lunch fed 5,000 people. Stop looking at the resources. Stop looking at how little. Stop looking at the mountain. Look up to the Lord. Look to his power, his might. His arm is not too short to save. His spirit will move us forward. His spirit will accomplish this work. Look, how are we going to reach the world? At one time, Bible believers were growing at a rate faster than the birth rate, but no more. How are we going to do that? We can't birth our way into heaven, into accomplishing and spreading this gospel to the world. At this rate, we're not witnessing enough. We're not winning enough people. There's so many people born every day. There's no way we're going to reach them all at this rate. Mathematically, it's impossible. But by God's Spirit, He's going to accomplish this work Look at what he did through 11 disciples, took the gospel to the then known world. Even to the Rome headquarters, to the Jerusalem leaders, to Roman leaders, to Caesar himself. Through trial, through persecution, through suffering, through imprisonment. But look at what God will do if we trust in him and surrender to him. His power, his might will take this gospel to this world. through his grace, trusting in his grace. Verse, over, verse 8, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of the rubble have laid the foundation of this temple. His hand shall also finish it. 
then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me for he for who has despised the day of small things promising Zerubbabel you started this work and you're gonna finish it your hand has been in it from the beginning your hand is gonna be in it to the end no doubt Zerubbabel was getting discouraged last week in chapter 3 God sent a message through Zechariah to the Kohen Gadol who was working with Zerubbabel Yeshua ben Yehotzadak. The wonderful promise for him that he will clothe him, he will take away his sins, he will take away his filthy rags, he will cleanse the land, and he will crown him with a crown. And he will put righteous white robes upon him. God accomplished his work in these two men, and he's got a message for us as well. Whatever our discouragement, whatever our situation, whatever our troubles, whatever our problems, whatever you're going through right now, the work that God began, He will bring to completion. He starts the work and He finishes the work. It is all Him. And He started with Zerubbabel and He finished with Zerubbabel. And this prophecy mentioned here came to pass. The temple was built against all odds. And God did use Zerubbabel to accomplish that. God's word is true. God's word is faithful. And it's just as true and just as faithful for us today as well. He will finish his work. Don't despise the small things, the day of small things. No doubt Zerubbabel is looking and saying, man, Solomon built a temple, but he had the resources from David. David gave him all his money. Solomon had all his wealth, and he had the neighbors around him, the nations around him, not opposing him, but assisting him. Hire him up in Lebanon, providing cedar, workers sent, everyone working together, and they built the temple. That was easy for Solomon, but not so easy for me. In the day of small things, I don't have anything. I don't have any people, I don't have any resources. And instead of friendly neighbors, we got our enemy neighbors. Don't despise the small things. Don't despise the day of small things. God loves to use the impossible because that's when he gets the glory. That's when his name is exalted. Not in what we accomplished, but in what he accomplished. And God prophesied that this temple that Zerubbabel would, that God would use Zerubbabel to build would be more glorious than Solomon's temple. Well, to outward appearances, it never was. It never was as beautiful. It never was as big. But the temple that Zerubbabel built is the temple that Yeshua walked in. The temple that Yeshua preached in. The temple right outside of it where Yeshua was killed and ascended and rose. Became more glorious because the light of this world was in it and shined in it. Don't despise the small amount you have right now. Oh, what can I do with this little bit? God will use the two mites. Don't despise the small and, and the small talent. I only have one talent. I only have one lunch. Who's that going to feed? Don't despise the small. God will use the small and multiply it beyond measure. We may not see it in this life. We may not see it in the here and now. 
Stephen didn't see what his stoning would accomplish, but him dying brought about Saul, who became Paul, who took the gospel to the then known world. Through trials, through difficulties, it wasn't easy. Thrown into prison, thrown into dungeons, but praising the Lord in spite of it. Singing in the dungeon, and the walls crumbling and coming down, and then I'm able to witness to the very jailer who no doubt beat him and whipped him and locked him up. Don't despise the small things. God will work all things together for good. Trust in him. In him alone. And in his power and in his might. Not in your resources. Verse 10. These seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro through the earth. The seven eyes were mentioned in chapter 3 as well. God's eyes, he sees all things, he knows all things. We're not alone. God is here with us. He's standing with us. He is going to and fro throughout the earth. All over the earth, he is there. He sees what's going on. And even though he allowed Paul to get thrown in prison, he allowed Stephen to get stoned. He allowed his son to die. God has a purpose and a plan, and he's working out his purpose and plan. And he rejoices to see God's work being built up. He rejoices to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel, the measuring, the surveying going on, the building up of the temple, the leveling the God's work going forward, piece by piece, stone by stone. And God rejoices in what he's seeing here on this earth. We might not see the multitudes, we might not see the numbers, but God rejoices over one person who comes to the Lord. All of heaven rejoices over one person. Even if the nine turn away, even if the nine go back without thanking the Lord, healed of leprosy, God rejoices over the one who comes and praises and surrenders his life to the Lord. That's what counts. Don't worry that you sowed a lot of seed and you told a lot of people and you witnessed to a lot of people and some have turned and some have turned their backs on you and some have denied it and some have refuted it and some have gotten angry. Don't worry about that. God is still in control. And again, Stephen didn't see the result of his labors. Keep on sowing. God's work will go forward. Be faithful in the work of the Lord trusting in him. Verse 11, then I answered, what are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at the left? What are these two olive branches that dip into the receptacle of the two golden pipes which, from which the golden oil drains? So wants, uh, Zechariah wants to know more. Tell me more. Explain more of what this is. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Zerubbabel is going to finish. But what more? What do these things mean? What are these things? And God adds a little bit more to the picture here. Still got the olive trees on the right hand and left of the bowl. But it also mentions olive branches. So we have olive trees and we have olive branches. And then from the olive branches come two pipes. And from those two pipes go to the bowl. And from the bowl it goes to the seven pipes. And the seven pipes take it, the oil to the lampstand. And then don't stop there. It's no good of just having oil on a lampstand if the oil is not burning on the lampstand. 
In order to have the oil burn, there needs to be a wick. And so then there's a wick, and then there's a flame, and the oil is burning brightly. So we have the Spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit, coming forth through the trees, through all these different passages. God wants to use us to spread his word. Because what happens if the pipe backs it up, if one of the pipes isn't there, if one of the pipes just hold on to it? Oh, I like the Spirit of God. I just want it for myself. Oh, I just want to read and read and read and attend Bible studies and just talk to ourselves. It ends and it goes nowhere and it gets stuffed up and becomes constipated. It comes backed up and overflows backwards. But it has to flow. It has to keep flowing. We have to receive and we have to give. And as we give, God will give more. Give what we know, learn, and then go tell somebody else. If all it is is learning and too many people just want to learn and learn and learn and learn and attend services and attend Bible study just to take in, take in, take in, and never tell anyone else. We need to take in and we need to share and let it flow. Because what would happen if it flowed from the tree to the branch, to the pipe, to the bowl, to the pipes, to the, to the menorah, and then just stayed on the menorah? If there was no wick, if there was no fire, and the oil would stay there, it would stop. It would stop flowing. It would reach its full max, and it would stop. It would back up, and it would just stop. But when the wicks are burning, and the flame is burning the oil, then the little bowls on the lampstand, they empty from the, from the oil, and then more oil continues to flow. And as it burns, more flows, and it keeps on flowing. And your lawnmower, the lawnmower, you put gas in today and leave it there, it will still be there a week later. If you don't use the lawnmower, it'll still be there, unless you got a leak or something like that. But you turn the engine on and you start burning that gas, it then sucks away the gas. It sucks it from the gas tank, through the engine. And so as the oil is burning, it's sucking more out of the pipes, out of the bowl, out of those other pipes, out of those branches, out of the tree. And as we burn brightly for the Lord, then he will send more oil and more grace and more strength and more power, and he will add to those who had more and used what they had, he who had 10 talents, and used those talents, more will be added to him. It's as we use the gifts and the abilities that God has given to us, moving forward by faith, rebuking by God's power the mountains in front of us, stop depending on our own abilities, and trust in the Lord, and moving forward, he will give more and more and more. He'll send more angels. He'll send everything that's needed to accomplish his work if we trust in him and draw upon him. And as those wicks are burning and burning brightly, and again, it's not just one, but it's seven. We burn together. We burn brightly together, united together, connected, con continually connected, and always connected to each other and always connected to the Lord. Because if any one of those pipes breaks and gets cut off, then it's not flowing anymore. It needs to continue to flow. We need to be connected to the Lord every single morning, every single day. We need to connect in with Him. We need to draw from Him. We need to pray and we need to draw from His Spirit. We need to be receiving of Him every single day, every morning, every day, every evening, depending on the Lord. 
praying for the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And we'll see the power of the Lord. We'll see the work of the Lord go forward. We need more of the Holy Spirit and less of self. That's what's going to accomplish this work in these last days. Through trial, through persecution. But God will have us speak before kings and before rulers. And he says, don't worry what you will say in that day because the Spirit of God will give you the words to say. We need the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit. And those wicks, they need to be trimmed. As the wicks burn, they become charcoal on top. They don't burn as brightly. So you have to go and you have to cut that off so that the fresh wick can burn brightly, sucking up the oil and burning brightly. We need to have the sins removed out of our hearts, sins removed out of our lives, allowing God to trim out of us and prune out of us every weight, every sin, everything that's holding us back to receive more of his spirit and to burn brighter for him and to burn unitedly together with him and with each other, shining God's light to this world. Verse 13, then he answered, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. He said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. God's anointed ones standing beside the Lord who is Lord over the whole earth, who goes to and fro throughout this earth. He is the Lord. Satan claims his power, claims it with his lie, lies, seem to be in the majority, but there are more on God's side than are on the devil's. He will accomplish his work. He will move it forward. He will fulfill his destiny in our lives. He's building up the temple of the Lord, and he will accomplish it. The work that he began in you, in forgiving you, before you were born, Yeshua dying for you, just as he began that work, he will accomplish and complete his work in you. Because of his anointed ones that stand beside us. God's heavenly angels stand with us. The Lord stands with us. The Messiah stands with us. He sends forth his spirit into us. He anoints us with his grace. He anoints us with his power. To witness for him. To stand for him. To bow to no one but God and God alone. Standing for his truth. Standing for righteousness fearing nothing, and moving forward by his grace. So as we prepare to pray, if there's some mountain in your life, some supposed mountain there, something that seems to be holding you back, some hurdle there, some obstacle in your way that's keeping you from accomplishing God's work, Claim his promise, he will make it a plane. He will level it, he will flatten it before you. If you've been making excuses or listening to Satan's lies and excuses that are keeping you from overcoming some sin in your life, 
doing what the Lord has called you to do, stopping doing what you shouldn't be doing. In the moment when we pray, ask God to remove those obstacles and remove those lies and lay them away. Secondly, if you've been trying in your own power, trying to be good, trying to be righteous, trying to do right, trying to overcome in your own strength, trying to witness, trying to do God's work, you're ready to stop trying and let go and let God. In a moment when we pray, trust in His Spirit and receive of His Spirit, receive of His power. If you haven't been connecting in with the Holy Spirit, if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you have not received the power of the Holy Spirit to give you victory over sin, in a moment when we pray, claim the power of the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. The Holy Spirit to give you gifts and talents to witness for Him. Power of the Holy Spirit to move you forward from victory to victory. Overcomers in the power of the Lord. Trusting in Him. Relying on Him. Working by His grace, by His power. If you have not, if you do not have a burden for the lost, if all of your gaining and all of your education and all of your learning is just for self, if your prayers are just about yourself, your needs, God meeting your needs, if your prayers are selfish prayers, if your attendance at services for selfish reasons, if you've just been storing up and storing up and storing up and you haven't been burning for Him, building for Him, witnessing for Him, if you're just a clog in the pipe, you're not letting it flow through you, in a moment when we pray, you can confess that and accept Yeshua's forgiveness, accept Yeshua's death. Confess the selfishness. Allow Him to transform your prayers. So you're praying for the lost and praying for others, praying for others' needs, putting God first and others second. And you take the Word of God and you share it with somebody else somebody who does not know it. You may not know everything that someone else knows. You may not know all the Bible, but you don't have to. Don't despise the small things. You know something. You've heard something here tonight. You've heard something from the Word of God. You have the Word of God. Tell it to somebody. Go and tell somebody. Whether you use the internet or a letter or a postcard, some way, shape, or form, let it be known. Get the gospel message out there. We have cards, Shalom Adventure cards, with a postcard on the back, a place for you to put a stamp and put an address. It's that easy. Send it to somebody. I mean, you don't know. Put, I don't know. Put anonymous and just make up an address. Go through the phone book. Or if you, I, don't, I don't have those anymore. But go find some address somewhere. Go driving down the road and go find some address and write it on the card and send it. Let God use it. You don't have a burden for the lost. In the moment when we pray, part of what this message is about. The olive trees don't hold on to the olives. They give it to the pipes. The pipes give it to the bowl. The bowl gives it to the pipes. 
Pipes give it to the lampstand. The lampstand gives it to the world. It has to pass on. It has to keep passing on. Passing the light, passing the torch. This little light, let it shine. I'm not going to hold on to it, but pass it on. Pass on God's word. So in a moment when we pray, if that applies to you, ask God to fill you with his spirit, to go before you in his power, to soften the heart and prepare the soul, and to reach the soul for his kingdom. If any of those areas apply to you, or maybe some other area God's been speaking to your heart about, it's receive of his power, receive of his spirit, to accomplish the work, and to build up the temple of the Lord here on earth. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we praise your name and we thank you, Lord, for the work that you have begun. Thank you, Yeshua, for dying for us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you for restoring us. Thank you for choosing to use us. Thank you for giving us new hearts and new minds. Thank you for taking this sin-sick soul and transforming it and making us into your image. Thank you for using us. Thank you for choosing to use us. Thank you for pouring out your spirit upon this world. Pour out your spirit into our hearts, each person here. Lord, touch us with your spirit. Anoint us with your spirit. Anoint us with flames of fire. Anoint us to go forward and witness for you and to reach souls for your kingdom. Lord, accomplish your will on this earth as this earth is getting darker and darker and darker. Let your little light shine through us. And pass it on to others. Remove the mountains out of our way. Remove the fears, remove the doubts, we confess them to you. Remove all the excuses. We surrender them to you and confess them before you. Fill us with faith to lay hold of your power, to lay hold of your spirit, and to work through us. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.